He's the one, he's the only, R.J. Bell. Straight out of Vegas. In Vegas. Can nobody do it like we can? We can hit the chapel, in the morning. Topic from the show wasn't a planned conversation, but it went off, and I think it was fascinating. Jared Goff, his similarities with Baker Mayfield. It was a major upset. The New York Jets are winless, no more, a 23-20 win at the Rams. Okay, how unusual is this? Biggest upset in a quarter century. The last time an underdog 17 points or more won a game was 1995. The Washington then Redskins plus 17 and a half over the Dallas Cowboys, December 3rd, 1995. In that quarter century, 25 years, favorites of 17 or more, like the Rams, won 28 straight games. So another way to think about it, 28 times a team was this big of a favor, 28 times this team won, Jets broke that streak. Now, the biggest upsets in the last quarter century between these two, the Bills in 2018 were 16.5s. Some 17s out there, but the real number was 16.5 over the Vikings. Dolphins, 16 points over the Pats at the end of last year. Remember the lose the division or to lose the bye, the Mm -hmm. uh, two seed for the Pats in that case. And then the Steelers lost to the Raiders in 2009. I remember that game, 14 and a half Raiders were underdogs. So think about this. If you actually go a little deeper and say, what about all favorites of over two touchdowns? Because you can get to 14, but when you get over that, it's a real difference maker. In the last 25 years, And by the way, this is topical. Right now, Pittsburgh is at pretty much at 14 and a half right now. In the last quarter century, and this counts the Jets upset, teams favored by over two touchdowns, 106 winners, three losers, 106 and three, 97.2%. This was, and we're talking about if they were even, you know, two and a half points less of a underdog, the Jets, it's that big of an upset. Oh, by the way, amongst all those big underdogs or big favorites specifically, they've only covered the spread 45 and a half percent. So 97% winners straight up, 45% against the spread when favored by over two touchdowns the last quarter century. The point spread is the great equalizer. So now what does this mean for the Rams? I'm going to make the following case doesn't mean anything. I mean, losing a game isn't good. It might mean things for winning the division or whatever, but if they beat Seattle, they're fine. It was so flat. It was so unexpected. I just think you kind of chalk it up as something that happens, one of those acts of God in a way. Now, we know Goff, when he's uncomfortable, is not any good, and we saw an extreme of that in this case. For whatever reason, wasn't comfortable. Otherwise, Fez... How would you, or I guess not otherwise, because maybe you think differently. How are you reacting from the Rams' perspective? I agree with you on the first half. Rams were flat. Jets were sky high. Jets took a 10-point lead. Didn't think it was that big of a deal. But I have major concerns about what transpired in the second half. So out of the locker room, 
the Jets drive 72 yards, touchdown, third quarter. The next time they get the ball, another long drive for the Jets, field goal. So the Rams have all half to recover from whatever hangover they have. All half? Dude, this is why I think there's a disconnect with what is flatness in the NFL. Flatness isn't you come out and you're texting you know, your side piece in between plays or whatever. No, it's you're not getting extra sleep on Wednesday. It's you're not putting in extra film time. Maybe you lifted extra hard because you don't, You thought, oh, if I wasn't a... Who knows? But I don't think it's something you turn around at half. To, you, you can turn around some of it. If you're lackadaisical on the field, maybe you perk yourself up. You know, but I think the pre- there's some things you just can't under that theory, Steve. Then what you do during the week would never matter, right? So I think that being flat is about the prep, the lead up, and the game energy. But once a team starts lose, no team starts losing and doesn't try their best from there. Mm-hmm. So every upset that ever happens presupposes there's something other than the game energy that's affecting the favorite. I mean, you've got to agree with that, right? I agree with that, but never, and, nevertheless. Well, you can't say nevertheless. It's your basic premise because the Rams closed. So it feels like the Rams were able to come back to the degree that was maybe their lack of energy during the first part of the game, but they weren't able to overcome the, the lead up, which was, which was lax. And let's talk about that closure because the Rams absolutely got back in this game, had an excellent chance to win this game, but it was interesting. Down 13, the Rams were still running the ball a lot. And it shows they don't trust Goff. You mentioned Goff being uncomfortable that the Rams down 13 as a 17-point favorite still said, you know what? We got to just do ball control. We can't trust Goff at all to try to take over this game. That's, that's Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell. Who would trust him? This is, you know, you've, here's a point, and we can talk about what the cause of it was. First 13 games of the year in the third quarter, the Rams have been the best in the NFL. They've averaged giving up 2.3 points a game. So less than two and a half points per quarter, the third quarter specifically, throughout the entire year. I mean, think about that. If you kick a field goal against them in the third quarter, you've exceeded expectations. Jets, 10 points in the third. But again, is that the Rams got bad all of a sudden? The Jets got really good or the Rams were flat and they couldn't recover? Hmm. It's a, good, it's a good point. Part, you know, part of just, it wasn't You could just leave it at that. Fair enough. RJ, good point. What do you good think, point. Jonas? Of all the good teams that would be good enough to be favored by 17 or more points against the Jets, the Rams were most likely the team that this would happen to. Really? Now, why it, do you think yeah, that? Because we've seen them look really, really bad. I mean, the game against the Dolphins, they were awful. Uh, Buffalo, they got back into that game, but they were getting dominated early on. The game against both the 49ers. Those games been, both those games have been like eight games ago, right? Yeah, but they, I've noticed this thing with the Rams where they'll win a couple of games in a row and then they just lose one. And if you go through just looking at their game logs and it it could be coincidence or whatnot, but this is again, another example of them coming off two straight wins and then they come out and they look like this. There's something about them. And you've talked about high variance to where they're either really, really good and look like a real legitimate Super Bowl contender, or they lay an egg like this. And you don't know whether or not Goff is a franchise quarterback. Well, I think we know he's not. Right. I, I think yeah. Goff is a Baker Mayfield, but maybe a lesser version, to be honest. So what do we know about Baker? 
and we can quickly touch on this game because we probably won't get to it otherwise, is against the Giants, he was comfortable. When Baker is comfortable, he it's almost like a skills competition. Think of it like a guy that has an open three. Now, most of us can't make at the NBA range open threes. But at that level, you give a good shooter an open three, they're going to hit it a big percentage of the time. But then there's people like KD and others that can create their own shot. And thus, in the reality of the NBA, they don't need perfect conditions to score. Well, Baker has been a quarterback when he's had his ability to set his feet and it's a skills competition. He knows where he's throwing. He's got great arm talent, surprisingly good. And if you listen to or read the reports that came out contemporaneously when the Browns decided to pick him, it was his throwing during their time, you know, during their tryout or whatever you want to call it, in which it was like, wow, this guy can throw the ball. Now, the catch-22 was prior to the new coach, the Browns didn't really put him in a situation, Baker. They didn't have the O-line where he could set his feet and make his throws. Now they're running the ball. He's like a real high-powered game manager. Now, against the Ravens, he stepped it up. That's the first game we saw him step it up. If he can take that step, then he's more than that. But right now, I think he's a glorified, expensive, talented game manager, Baker Mayfield. The question is, Jared Goff... I think he's similar. Steve, what's your thoughts? Baker Mayfield, the last four games, RJ, has an average QBR of just under 90. That is, would easily be the best in the NFL. He stepped it up in that Tennessee game as well. He's really well, playing but he, well. I don't think he stepped it up in the Tennessee game because Tennessee has one of the five worst defenses in the NFL. Wouldn't you say? I agree. Still four touchdown passes no, no, in one he, half. Uh, so I mean. we're talking about two separate things. You're right. If we're grading him on... Is he performing well in the areas we know he performs well at? Okay, which is set his feet against bad defenses. Yeah, he, he had an extraordinarily good version of that against the Ravens, a team that blitzed him. And I don't mean, I mean, blitz Krieg style. <laughs> For him to get beat so badly early, first game of the year and then to have a shootout, even though he lost, Mayfield is showing he can do more than that. I'm not sure, Jonas, that Jared Goff has ever, after the first year and the defense has had a chance to see what McVay was doing, I don't think Jared Goff has been anything but that game manager ever, really, even the Super Bowl year. Do you, with your eyes, do you think otherwise? And no, I, I think the exact same thing. He's not been the same guy since Todd Gurley started dealing with his health issues. Another I mean, Todd factor, Gur too, right? Because yeah. they don't have a dominant run game. And they've got good, they've got playmakers. They've got guys you can get the ball to, whether it's Woods or Cup or Higby's been awesome. It just, there's something about the Rams that they, they have games like this. And it just makes you wonder if they're capable of looking so good, but they're also capable of doing this. How do you trust that team in the playoffs? Final word on this. I tend to disagree with you in the following way. And it's funny you said that because I was going to say, I think the Rams were the last team of the good teams that I would expect to be flat. And you talk about the Bills game, and it's one thing to get out in, uh, to a deficit or the other team get out to a lead, but really that ended up being a three-point game. 
So ultimately, and the Miami game was what happened sometimes. It was just like four turnovers, and that still was a fairly close game, right? 28-17, yeah. yeah. But, but the, like you, you said, plus 300 yards for the Rams in the stats. So to me, I think this is what's fascinating. At the scoreboard level, I see what you're saying, and I also agree that maybe my statement's wrong saying, oh, the Rams would be the least likely because Goff is going to have a disaster before most yeah. of the other quarterbacks on a good team. So I agree okay. with you. But otherwise, I think other than Goff, this is about as buttoned up as a team gets. But it goes to show you, even with a McVay coach team, a buttoned up team, you're a 17-point favorite after having just re re revenged your Super Bowl defeat maybe you're flat. I think that's what we saw. Final word, Jonas. Yeah, no. And it may just be a golf thing because when we, when they look their best, what do we say when we are recapping a Rams game, man, that defense looks good. And golf it's didn't never, have to do much. Yeah. And, and so even the games on primetime where they've looked good, even the, the game against Tampa Bay, the game that they won, I didn't come away from that going, man, that Jared Goff can really play. I think he threw a couple of picks in that game. I came away going, that's a legitimate defense that might be able to get them uh, at least somewhat far in the postseason. Straight out of Vegas. All right, Fez. Your power rankings, tell me what adjustment you made for the Ravens. All right, number four, Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Five points better than an average team. I, I, You know, I had a bad week last week. I got to tell you, you on sides, oh, my goodness. You think? I, I think on the super contest, I mean, just send me the bill because— No, I, no, no, no. I, I haven't been good at it. Here's what I don't—and I think this is good advice— if you don't have a feel for a team, just stay away from them. You don't, you're not, the bookie gives us a lot of advantages. Part of our hate of the bookie is hate of ourselves. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. Because they enable our worst instincts. It's like hating the hot dog cart guy if you're fat. It's not your, his fault. That the hot dogs taste good with the relish and such. I like the chili dogs myself with the full sugar Mountain Dew. Little plastic cup. Mm. That store-bought ice. You know what I'm saying? I do. <laughs> Steve with a human reaction. <laughs> Have you ever had a hot dog from a hot dog cart? Yeah, I do all, all the time at the South Point. They got the $1.25 dog. And if I put was, crowd on half it, of it, RJ. Is that weird or what? Now, do you spread it on the whole thing? No. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because I could see you not trusting the dum-dum, because that's how you think, feet, like dishing out the crowd. So you figure, I'll just tell that person half, and then I'll spread it out. But if I tell them half as much on the whole thing, I don't trust that they do it. I would have bet a lot of money that was your approach. Well, how? Explain this to me. I can never decide whether to go with the crowd or not. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a close call. I'm like, ah, get it on half the dog. But then that is fascinating. How this is one of the great metaphysical questions. How different is it to eat? Let's say you have 50 units of crowd, 100's normal. If you eat half a dog with 50 units of crowd on it, that is like eating half a hot dog with sauerkraut. And then you eat the other half with none. 100 for half plus zero for half equals 50. But it's different if you took that 50 and spread it out because every bite would have crowd. I don't know why, but that's kind of blowing my mind. Mackenzie, have you ever thought of it in that paradigm? No, it's like he wants two different hot dogs with two different flavors. 
maybe you want one. Yeah, maybe it's like schizophrenia coming out. Do are you the same person eating each side of the hot dog? I'm, I'm the same person, but curiously, there's some days I'm like, that was a good call putting the crowd on, and there are other days I'm like, ah. You know what? I shouldn't have gone for the crowd. You're like a fake physic. Oh, and then it's like oh, I go wait. back and forth. So I'm like, you know what? This way I can only be 50% wrong. And you can never be 100% right, no? So is this why some people accuse you of double-siding things? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so in a way, you're double-siding your hard dog. I am. Because you can never be wrong. Yep. But you can never be right. It's true. But you're okay with that. Well, I could just eat half of it, but then I don't know. But you wouldn't know to throw away the other half. Yeah. You could just, uh, that personality could owe it. You owe me. Well, I always, I always <laughs> like bite left out. left pocket, right pocket. I always bite out of the crowd side first. Now that, you know, see, that is illogical. Mm. Because once you got crowd taste in your mouth, you have it. You should probably eat the non-crowd side first. Think about that. Let me think about that. It'd be like if you want half lemonade and half water. Yeah, you're, you're right. Maybe I'll change. Clip that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's as good as it's getting. <laughs> Got it. Uh, <laughs> continue. All right. So I upgraded Baltimore a point. They didn't punt. They kicked Jacksonville's ass. I lowered Jacksonville by a point. I think that all, that's pretty much what most people would do based upon the results. Now, the one— Who cares? My, most people lose. Yeah, right. Now, the one thing, that, there is a special circumstance, and I haven't addressed it yet. The Jets lose. So Jacksonville controls their destiny— yeah, we'll talk about that. Let's look back and review your adjustments on the Ravens since that Steelers game. Okay, so I had the Ravens as low as two and a half. When was when was that? That was three games ago. Okay. And then and then they after the Dallas victory, I raised them to three. So I raised them half a point. Then after the Cleveland victory, I raised them a point to four. A point? Yes. They literally were a play away from losing. Okay. All right, go ahead. And then I raised them a point for the Jacksonville victory. Where would you put Dallas's D, Jacksonville's D, and the Browns' D? Dallas, bottom quartile. Yeah, so Football Outsiders has what? 24. Okay, continue. Jacksonville, 31. 31. Cleveland, 26. Uh-huh. So all in the bottom quartile. Yes. But somehow they deserve how many? Two and a half points of adjustment? Or how much? Well, yes. How much? Two and a half. That's freaking insane. Well, I was For what? Because I was concerned that I'd lowered Baltimore too much with all their COVID issues during the middle of the year and the distractions. But what did that. they do to show you you didn't do? First of all, you did it initially. What made you concerned about it other than the results? And I'm saying the results are not indicative of freaking anything. When what has the Ravens done on offense that makes anyone think they're any good on offense relative to last year, relative to anything like the fourth best team in football? And how good's their D lately? I mean, their D's been... Mackenzie, let's look at the last three games because, you know, without Lamar, except that most teams are going to be bad with a backup quarterback. Let's look at expected points added, offense, defense, last three games. So it's going to be week uh, four, uh, 13, 14, 15. I'm going to make the case that... The, well, you know, expected points added doesn't account for strength of schedule. You know what we should do? Let's look at the football outsiders' grades the last three weeks, offense, defense. Mackenzie. All right, so on offense, the Ravens are having 25% last three games. That's really good. Would be third in the league over the course of the season. Let me think, Dave. If we look at three weeks and compare it to the season, uh, I think it's always going to lend itself to extremes. 
What is the, you know, we put a shade on it on the super sheet. What is the shade of the, the three games? Two greens and one dark green on offense. Okay. And you're saying that number combined would be fourth best on offense? Third, yeah. Third best. Okay. And how about the defense? Defense, uh, going back to that color systems, we got one red and two whites, so two average and one bad. They'd be 21st in the league if we looked at that for the season. Okay. Now, here's where some subjectivity comes in. Thanks, Mackenzie. Here's where some subjectivity comes in. I believe there are certain types of teams that struggle against the Ravens, and those are undisciplined teams. Those are teams without the will. You know, that, those are two factors, different ones. I think Jacksonville, I don't know how disciplined they are, but they don't got much will right now. I agree. Right? And the Cowboys are undisciplined. The Browns are just whatever they are. They're bad on defense. So... I think it's fair to say that the Ravens' offensive performance, even adjusted for strength of schedule, is good. And that's what Football Outsiders is telling us. I think that against a disciplined team, I would be very, I don't see anything at all the last three games that makes me reevaluate that the Ravens could possibly be as good as we thought they were eight weeks ago. But your ranking's pretty much where it was, right? Like, where, what was the high for the Ravens? Well, at the start of the year. What was the high after you saw something? Or I guess eight weeks ago. Right around four to five. So you're saying right now the Ravens are as good as they were eight weeks ago, but the defense, even during this quote-unquote good run, is horrendous. And it wasn't the whole point was the defense was just as good as the offense? Real quick, rattle off the next two or three teams, five, six, seven. Okay, so New Orleans is five, Tampa six, Seattle seven. (sighs) And 8, 9, and 10? Rams 8, Indy 9, Tennessee 10. I'm not sure I don't like Tennessee better than Baltimore. I'm not sure I don't like Indy better. I'm not sure I don't like Tampa better. I'm not sure that Baltimore's not like 10th. Hmm. I mean, I literally, how much distance is there between 4 and 10? Two and a half points. Yeah. And here's the thing. This is why there's professional batting. Is If everyone agreed, the number would go there immediately. So it's good we have disagreement. I believe the Ravens' offense isn't as impressive as it seems because they've played undisciplined teams that are bad in general, but even on top of that, undisciplined. I think Browns are just bad, not necessarily undisciplined. I think that the Cowboys are undisciplined. It looked like it was just too easy. And you do bring up a good point that Baltimore is a bully. Baltimore is the type of team that you almost should have two power ratings against a good team and against a bad team. That's what you do with the Browns pretty much, right? Yeah. and that's where we get into the matchup adjust, you know, and there can be an offset. You can put a special offset for a team is I, you know, whatever the minority thing is, Brown's playing a tough D minus two point, yeah. you know, I think that's valid. Um, you know, just like those coach, you know, you can say McVay against or Shanahan against McVay. You got to make, there's all these adjustments. The power rating is supposed to get you the most common occurrence. And then you adjust from yes. there. I disagree. I don't think the Ravens are as good as they seem. Um, their opponent? Oh, Jacksonville, you did minus a point, you said? Yes. And you're speculating, just to touch on it, this will be a, tomorrow we'll talk about, is they're going to be motivated to, to not win at this point. Yes. Now, a person might ask, what's the difference between that and where the Jets were this weekend? Jets were on a bagel, on a zero. I think that's the answer. No, yeah, nobody wants to go 0-16 and be in the annals of um, the, the history books. We can hit the chapel, 4.30 in the morning. 